Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see everybody today on this wonderful, beautiful day that God has made. And it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord together as we worship the Lord and welcome His presence to be among, among us and with us today. Before we begin our worship today, I want to recognize all the fathers. If you're a father today, would you please stand so we can recognize you this morning? You can stand up, Mr. Gerald. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a spiritual father to us all. Amen. Don't forget about the graduation luncheon celebration right after church next Sunday to celebrate our graduates and their completion and their um, celebration of their achievements. Let us stand as we begin our worship this morning, as we come to confess and affirm our faith through the Apostles' Creed. Let us stand together. Let us unite together in historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. This morning, we're going to join together in meditating on our first hymn today as we celebrate and commemorate this day. Our first hymn that is unsung is hymn number uh, The Faith of Our Fathers. Let us meditate on as we listen to Wesley's playing.
Do we have any prayer requests to lift up before the Lord this morning before we come to our time of prayer together? Did you say Ben? Okay. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we're thankful for this day you have made and for this opportunity to come together to worship you. We approach your throne of grace boldly because we can, and we approach you through the blood of Jesus, the power that has saved us from our sins. Jesus has made the access to your throne available through Calvary. And now, Lord, because of his death and resurrection, we can come and stand in your presence because in my Father's house there are many mansions. And behold, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us that where he is, we can be also. We ask you, Lord, this morning as we gather here in this place that you would come and fill this holy sanctuary with your presence, O oh God. Bring your peace that passes all understanding and uh, fill our hearts and minds with it, we pray. Give us the assurance that we need to face tomorrow. That you've got everything in your hand. And nothing escape your knowledge, not even a sparrow when it falls to the ground. And so, Lord, you know every aspect of our life. And we just continue to ask for prayer for our country and nation and world during this global pandemic of the coronavirus. We just ask, Lord, for your protection upon us all as we live during these uncertain days. We thank you this morning, Lord, for our Father. 
the men that you place in our lives to get charge over us, whether they're biological or spiritual or adoptive or foster. We're thankful for the men of God in the church, Lord, that you have used to give us spiritual direction. And we thank you, Lord, for our fathers that have given us life and, and guided us and nurtured us over, the, over these years to make us into the people of God that you called us to be. We just ask, Lord, that you would bless all the fathers worshiping with us today and worshiping with us online and streaming. We just ask for a special blessing upon them this, this morning as we pray. We ask, Lord, that you would be with the needs of the church this morning. As we lift our prayers to you, we ask, Lord, that you would be with Ben. We ask, Lord, that you would be with Helen. We ask, Lord, that you would be with Pat. We ask, Lord, that you would be with Carolyn. And she has an unspoken prayer request. We lift up our voices in prayer to you, O God. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the answer to prayer. You teach us to ask, seek, and knock. And when we do, it shall be given to us. We will find, and the door will be opened. Lead us now, we pray, as we come together to pray the prayer that Jesus taught all of his disciples to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we're going to have children's time this morning. And I forgot. I apologize. I forgot. I've been doing this for three months. I forgot last Sunday. And I apologize to welcome our virtual congregation to church with us this morning. And I forgot this again today. So we're going to welcome our virtual church with us that has worked. We do have a virtual congregation and want to welcome them um, worshiping with us and tuning in to us live streaming. And now um, I believe Kevin is going to come and present the children's time for us today. Good morning. I'll come around here so y'all can see me. Give me a second here to get the cord situated. So good morning. I uh, hope everyone is having a, having a blessed day and happy Father's Day, obviously, to all the fathers that are with us. I know we don't have any little ones uh, that we would normally uh, administer children's time to this morning, um, but messages are good. Any type of message is good for anybody, right? And so, and so also, like John mentioned, we do have uh, our virtual con congregation going, so I hope we have some, some little ones li listening online. So uh, I want to read to you a couple of scriptures this morning for us here and for those listening online and hopefully for the little ones. So if you do have some little ones listening online, go ahead and ask them to gather around. Um, but the first scripture I'd like to read to you is from Micah uh, chapter 7, verse 7. And it says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. 
my God will hear me. And then also reading from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his, his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, the, the, the lesson I'm going to read to you this morning, and just to, just to be fair and just to be careful here, this is a little bit of copyright. This is copyrighted material. There's no little bit to it. It's called I Am Timeless, and it's a book called, um, the, well, the name of the devotion is I Am Timeless, but I'm reading from a book called Jesus Calling, uh, 365 Devotion for Kids, and it's by um, author Sarah Young. And uh, we, bought, we actually bought this at a used bookstore for like $2 or something, right? Because I love a good, a good dollar store buy. But the, the treasures that have come from this book have just been, have just been in plenty. Uh, so you never know what, you might, what type of treasure you might find like this. Um, but this is a fantastic book. But the, but the devotion today says, I am timeless. And that's what our, our, uh, our, 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 our uh, scriptures was around but there's also a leading uh, scripture in here from Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, that says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, says my Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, now, now boys and girls, and of course you in the congregation too, I want, you to clo- I want you, you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to imagine for a minute that God is talking directly to you because that's kind of the, the premise of this, of this devotion. So this is God talking directly to us. My dear... My idea of time is very different from yours because I am timeless, beyond time. I am, I was, and I always will be. Time is a protection for you. One 24-hour day of life is enough for you to handle. But time can also become your master, making you its slaves, if you think about it too much. Now, just a quick notate, notation on that. This is not from the book. This is out of Kevin's head. Be warned. Just kidding. Uh, so, so how often do we, do we let time capture us? We're running to and fro. We're going here. We're going there. I got to be here at this time. I got to be there. I got to pick this up. I got to pick that up at this time. I got to be here. I got to be there. How often do we stop and reflect on God? Wait for me while I bless you. Don't think about where you have to be for an, for, from an hour for now. Don't worry about what you need to get done. Take off your watch and just sit with me. As you focus on being with me, enjoy my presence. Time will become less and less important, and I will become more and more important to you. So, so that's just a fantastic, again, just a fantastic book and a fantastic scripture. And every time I open this this book, I am just blown away by the, by the information that comes out of this passage. And I said once before, I think it's ironic that the, the lessons that we have for children are really lessons that we as adults should be listening to as well. So thank you. Let, let us pray. Father God, thank you for this beautiful and wonderful day we have today and help us keep you in the forefront and help us to keep time in your presence. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So thank you. Thank you all and I appreciate you and uh, have a good day. Amen. Our next unsung hymn of the morning is hymn number 144. This is my father's world. Let us meditate on this hymn as Wesley plays for us this morning.
Let us stand together for the reading of God's holy word and remain standing for the doxology. This morning I'm reading from 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 22. 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 22, and I'm reading from the New King James Version Thomas Nelson, Publishers, copyright 1982. Hear the word of God. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to, to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, and do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom, as I have covenanted with you, with David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them, and this house, which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. As for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done, th done thus to this land and house? And they, will, and they will answer, Because... They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this calamity on them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your holy written word. And we thank you that your word is alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That it can divide truth from a lie. We pray this morning as we sit at your feet that you would write your word upon our hearts so that we might be doers of your word and not just hearers alone. We praise you that once the word proceeds out of your mouth, it does not return void. But we pray it may find its way into our hearts where it can grow and reap a harvest of righteous living. Give us ears to hear and 
Open hearts to receive what your spirit has to say to your church this morning as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This text from 2 Chronicles 7.14, we, we know it. It's often taken out of context. If people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We've all heard that prayer before. But what does it mean? You ever ask that? What is this prayer all about and what is the scope of this prayer? And how does this prayer apply to today? This prayer is one of the most misquoted and misinterpreted scriptures in the Bible. There's several of those. Oftentimes we take it out of context and we don't read what's before or after it, but we use scissors and paste and we apply it like tape. But what is this scripture really saying in the whole context of this chapter? Because the first time the scripture was prayed, it, it didn't pan out. The title of a message is Solomon's Prayer. Oftentimes we hear this prayer prayed a lot today, especially today in the midst of the coronavirus. Pastors, congregations, churches of all faiths, Christian community come together and they're praying this prayer. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, the call goes out. So you see a lot of folks in the Christian community praying this prayer. But as a nation and a people of God and the church, have we overprayed it? We can do that sometimes. We can overpray a prayer that it loses its effectiveness because the words are meaning are me, are meaningless to us because we said it over and over over and over again like a blind mantra. The Bible says that God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. That's in the New Testament. Have we used this? prayer like a fire extinguisher hanging on the wall underneath the broken glass. You know, it says break in a case of emergency. But have we used this prayer so much? Have we broken the glass and pulled this prayer out only to return to a life of sin after we prayed it? Or do we go to it and say, well, I can sin and live the kind of life I want to live. I know I got this prayer on the other side. All I got to do is break the glass and pull it out. And then I go back to the life that I was living before. Because God is going to heal my land and God is going to heal my life. How often have we prayed this prayer with no sincerity or faith behind it? Just blind words that come out of our mouth. You see, the prayer from 1 Chronicles has stipulations on God's presence returning and preserving the land. See, God has removed his presence from Israel due to their disobedience to keep his commands, and they have not confessed their sin and not repented their sin. They still continue to worship idols. We don't worship idols today in America, do we? And so God gives Israel the parameters. 
He established the parameters for his presence to remain in the land. If you do this, I will do that. If you covenant with me and follow what I ask of you and keep my statutes, then I will bless your land and my presence will be here with you. But if you fail to keep my commandments, that's what this text tells us. See, a lot of times we don't understand that. We just take it out of context. And God is setting up conditions for his presence to remain in the land. If you do what I ask of you, then you can, I can guarantee you that my presence will be there with you and bless your land and bless all aspects of your life. Has America today become like the Old Testament version of Israel? I don't know about you, but look at the similarities. See, the people started out worshiping God and living for God and doing what's right and living a righteous life and keeping God's commandments, but then they turned to the false gods of the region, worshiped them. Then a generation arose that did not know God. So God sent in the prophets to call the people into repentance for their wicked ways. And then the people refused to repent. They didn't like the prophets, so they killed them. And then God turned them over to the adversaries for their disobedience. I don't know if the right terminology is to turn them over, but see, God's presence just, God removed his presence. See, the statute in order for God's presence to remain is to stay with me in covenant. You know what the covenant is. As long as you stay and remain in the covenant, I'll keep my end of the bargain. How much can we keep pulling this prayer out of our back pocket as a country and lay it down in time that we are in trouble, that it loses its effectiveness. How often do we tempt the Lord our God with this prayer? The other question that we have to ask with this prayer is that how do we interpret this prayer in the light of grace? You know, I hear this prayer prayed often, but I don't even hear the word Jesus associated with it. How do we interpret this prayer in the light of the power of the cross and the light of Christ coming again? Jesus said in the last days, the sign of his return would be there'd be nation rise against nation, famine and pestilences, and man's hearts would wax cold to God and his neighbor. Did Jesus know ahead of time that in the last days the sign would be that people would embrace sin and reject God before he returned? We see that going on now. In fact, in the news recently, there are two renowned Christian preachers came out on the news and say, I don't believe in God no more. Don't believe in God. It happened in the Bible in the New Testament. Alexander and Hymenaeus if you can say his name, if I can say his name, were believers in the early church that rejected God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nation rising against nation is a result of sin and man hating his brother. 
Has God removed his presence from America today? The stipulation for God's presence remaining in the land and healing the land and restoring the land is when the people repent and confess their wrongdoing, their wicked life, and turn to God. The Bible says, then we will hear from heaven. See, God has the provision that we have to repent of our sin for his presence to return. Just praying a prayer and using like a magnet on a refrigerator. That's what this prayer is. We have reduced this prayer to putting in a magnet on a refrigerator or a bumper sticker, and that has lost its power. The Word of God deserves better respect and holiness than that. And we reap the consequences if we don't follow what this prayer asks of us. The writer of Second Chronicles 7.14 does not give us the backstory behind this prayer. And he just gives us the cliff notes in one verse. Second Chronicles 7.14 is a summed up version of the prayer which has already been prayed and which God answers. The real story, the real story where this prayer originates is found in 1 Kings 8 verses 22 through 53. And I copied it, or printed it out, and it's three pages long. So we won't be going into that today. But I would encourage you to find the backstory of this prayer to read 1 Kings 8, 22 through 53. And then I'm going to sum it up in my message this morning. See, this prayer that we read in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 started as a prayer from Solomon. Solomon builds the temple. He realizes his father's dream, and he's being charged by God to complete the temple. Second Chronicles seven fourteen is God's response to Solomon's prayer in First Kings eight twenty two through fifty three. It is Solomon's supplication to God when he dedicates the temple to the Lord. And Solomon's supplication to the Lord went like this in layman's terms. God, I promise to do this if you promise to do that. So what, when God answers his prayer, he answers it in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It is a response to Solomon's prayer that he's already prayed. And it's interesting to note that God uses Solomon's own language, own words. The prayer that we pray in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God just didn't show up at the temple and give that as a prayer, a form of prayer, or formally for prayer. Solomon already asked God that. So God used Solomon's own words and own language in his prayer and supplication to God. And so God responds to Solomon from, that, from the prayer that he already prayed. <clears throat> and God says, okay, I heard your prayer, and I will do what you ask of me if you promise to do what I ask of you. 
if you, I will keep the covenant that I make with you if you keep my covenant. And not only that, when we read the end of our text this morning, God says, if you don't follow the, what I ask of you, I'm going to make you an example. I'm going to take my presence out of Israel. And I'm going to take my presence out of the temple. And people are going to walk by and they're going to see that glorious temple and they're going to wonder, where is God? What happened? And God's going to say, then the word is going to be spread that the people disobeyed God and didn't keep his commandments and his covenant and his presence left them to their own vices. As the work of the temple was completed, Solomon brought the ark and he placed it in the Holy of Holies. And the Bible says that God's presence was so strong that when it filled the temple that the priest couldn't minister. And so Solomon is king and leader and the spiritual authority over Israel. He, he invokes God's presence before he does anything else. He invites God's presence to come and dwell in the temple so the people can be connected to God and God can be connected to the people. In verses 23 through 53, you find Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings 8. Solomon asked God on behalf of the people to forgive their sin. He asked God to remember his father David and the words of David and the lineage of David and the dynasty of David to keep David's dynasty and descendants on the throne of Israel. God, Solomon asked God that he would protect, that God would protect the people in the midst of pestilence and famine and plague and in war. And Solomon asked God to remember the innocent that are wronged by their neighbor. To bring justice on the wrongdoers. But God asked, and interced, but Solomon intercedes on behalf of the people to forgive their sin. And so God accepts Solomon's prayer and God shows up in person when Solomon is ready to dedicate the temple. And God comes down and appears personally to Solomon and says, Solomon, I've heard your prayer and I've answered it. I like what you've done to the temple. And so God basically tells Solomon he could write his own ticket. If you keep my commands, if you keep my statutes, and I will guarantee you that your dynasty will be on the throne of Israel for all time. What did Solomon have to lose? I mean, God came down personally. How many people in the Bible do you see that happen? Personally, God comes down himself and says, I love the temple, Solomon. You did a great job. This is going to be my house of worship. 
I'm moving in. I heard your prayer, and I'm going to do everything you asked me to do. I mean, what? I mean, what went wrong with Solomon? All Solomon had to do was live up to his expectations of the bargain to keep the covenant. God bless Solomon. Solomon was the wisest and the wealthiest man that the world had ever known at that time, but he was pretty dumb. Solomon had 500 wives and 300 concubines, but God didn't say nothing about that. Solomon failed miserably in upholding his end of the promise. And Solomon fell prey into the lifestyle of sin that cost him his legacy of the kingdom. You see, God stripped the end of the story. God stripped Solomon of his kingdom and divided it into two. Why did Solomon, what happened to Solomon? Why did it turn sour for him? Where did he go wrong in the sight of God when God said, you can write your own ticket? Solomon started out disobeying God's command. God told Solomon, don't collect any more gold. You know that Solomon collected 666 talents of gold a year. 666 talents of gold. You know how much that's worth today in today's market? That's a billion dollars. Solomon collected a billion dollars from his people in taxes. God told him, don't take, don't take no more, don't, don't take any more taxes. Then God told Solomon, Solomon had a hobby. He liked horses. So God told Solomon, do not, do not collect any more horses, especially from Egypt. But God, Solomon didn't listen, so he collected horses. Then the last thing God told Solomon, no more wives and no more concubines. But, you know, 500 women was not enough for him. So he wanted to marry more, and he did. Then the straw that wrote the camel's back was that the many wives that Solomon had married seduced him into worshiping other gods. They coached him and says, you don't got to worship God. Worship Astra and worship Chermosh and worship Moloch. He did. Astra was a fertility goddess. When Solomon came to power, he tore down her, her towers, her high altars. And now he built them back up. Then Solomon worshiped Chermosh. And then Solomon worshipped Moloch. Moloch was a god that was part man and part cow. He had the head of a cow and body of a man. And he, and they had, he had an arm with, the, with a vat in the arm. It had a lever on it. And they would heat it up. And they would put their children, little children, babies, on this vat. It was heated to a thousand degrees. They would press a button and that child on that vat would be dropped into the fire. Solomon built a shrine to Moloch. And God said, enough is enough. And so God raised up two adversaries against Solomon. One was named Hadad. Of the Edomites. Hadad battled David and Joash. And when I found out both of them were dead, he said, Let's go to Israel. 
And then Razan was another adversary that God raised up from Elad, from Eladab. And they two got together, and the Bible says that all the days of Solomon's life, these two caused adversity in Solomon's house. You see, everything looked promising for Solomon. He prayed that prayer. God promised to heal the land. But Solomon didn't live up to the expectation. And Solomon lived, Solomon's life ended in a far darker place than where he started. Second Chronicles 7.14 proved to be Solomon's downfall because he didn't live up to the expectations of God's covenant. God says in verse 19 through 22 of 2 Chronicles, you got to read this too to get the whole context of this text. God says, if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I've set before you, and you go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them in this house, which I sanctified for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and this house? Thus they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt, embraced other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore he has brought all this calamity, calamity on them. So the first time this prayer was prayed, it didn't work out very well for the one that prayed it. See, Solomon thought, well, God's presence is going to be in the temple, and that's okay. I can do what I want to do. God's not going to leave. It's kind of like the story of the Israelites before Saul, before Saul was picked as king. They were battling the Philistines in war, and the Philistines were beating them pretty bad. And so the Israelites decide, we'll just go take the ark out of Shiloh, and we'll take the ark with us in the battle, and we're going to win because we got God on our side, and the ark is full of God's presence, and he'll just beat them back. <laughs> but you know what happened? Because the Israelites were not, work, were not living, their, living the covenant life that God had called them to live. They took the ark in, in the battle and they got captured. And it took, they took it, the Philistines took it back to Dagon. I mean, Dagon was the God, but took, took it back to their holy city. Put it next to the God Dagon. And the next day, the, the, the Dagon, Dagon was on its knees before the ark of the covenant. See, Solomon thought, all I got to do, I'll have God's presence here and God will protect us. But see, the stipulation of that prayer is that we have, we have to do as God asks us to do and keep the covenant, keep the covenant relationship with him. God says, if you confess your sins, repent of your sins, and confess your wicked ways, then, then I will hear your land. I think so often we pray this prayer and we don't realize the story behind it. I think if we want to have God's presence in our lives, we need to keep his commandments. 
And then we guarantee, he guarantees his presence will be with us. And then we will hear from heaven and God will bless our land. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's stand together for the benediction. Let us pray. Lord, go with us today. Keep us mindful of your covenant. Help us to do our part. Keep it. To follow your statutes. And if we confess our sins, and live a righteous life. You promise your presence will always be with us. Bless each and every person worshiping and listening this morning. Touch them with your love and grace. And touch them with the peace that passes all understanding. May your hands of love uphold them. Watch after them as they go forward from this place and bless all of us with the love of Christ. Amen.